We've always been taught that in the event we have stage fright, in order to calm our nerves, we should envision the audience naked. Not exactly sure where this gem of a tactic came from, but let's just say it's never worked for me. Welcome to episode 101 of This Shit Works, a podcast dedicated to all things networking, business development, and relationship building. I am your host, Julie Brown, and today I'm talking with Tyler Foley, whose book, The Power to Speak Naked, seems to turn that advice completely around. This episode is sponsored by Nickerson, a full-service branding, marketing, PR, and communications agency with team members in Boston, Los Angeles, Miami, and New York City. Visit them at nickersoncos.com. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. Okay. Maybe it doesn't actually turn that advice completely around. Tyler isn't suggesting you actually speak naked. Unless, of course, you're a member of a nudist colony and then by all means rock out with your cock out. I think Tyler means that we should be figuratively naked. As in, willing to share our stories. Willing to be raw and honest and open. I could be totally wrong and I guess we'll find out in a moment. But when Tyler reached out to me... He said that he believes being a good storyteller can make you a better networker. And that's what this whole podcast is about. So without further ado, let's get Tyler in here so we can learn all how to be better networkers through storytelling. Tyler, welcome to the podcast. Oh, Julie, thank you so much for having me. I've had this circled on my calendar for a little bit. I just love this shit works. <laughs> oh, that's so nice to hear. So let's just jump into it. I've heard you say... I've. Everybody knows I do copious amounts of research on all of the guests, and I've heard you say in a previous podcast or speech that you don't believe that people are afraid of public speaking or even conversations, networking conversations. We're afraid of being judged. Yeah. Yeah. I find that most people, when they say that they have a fear of public speaking, what they really mean is they have a fear of public judgment, that when the spotlight is on them, when eyes are on them, that they are going to be perceived negatively. And it's that story in our head that we're telling ourselves that tends to lead us down this path, this mistaken belief that we're afraid of public speaking. Mm -hmm. I had a gentleman on the podcast a little while ago, Fred Joyle. He is the guy who invented 1-800-DENTIST. And he has a book called How to Be Super Bold, like Super Bold in 90, shy to Super Bold in 90 days. And he said something that was really, really interesting. And he said, embarrassment is a decision. You decide to be embarrassed. And so it sounds like you're saying something very similar. Like we're deciding that we're afraid of, of what people are going to think of us. And it's really easy to say, oh, okay, I'm deciding that, but how do, how do we get over, like, do you have tips to get over that? Because I, even as a person who can walk into a room and talk to anybody, I would not say that I don't walk into a room completely not afraid of judgment. Well, and that's usually it. It's understanding that it is a choice that a lot of human behaviors, although deep rooted and a lot of times automatic based on a subconscious level, we still have conscious choice over each one of them. Like I used to do stunt work 
in film and television. And I'm by no means a stuntman. I'm an actor who did stunt work, but I had the privilege of doing a couple of high falls. And in the moment of decision, right? The director calls action. You are standing, in my case, six stories in the air. Everything in your body is saying, don't do this thing. But I, ha and I have a subconscious response to the height saying mm -hmm. that is dangerous. Don't jump. But I also have a conscious ability to override that subconscious fear and say, I've done all the prep work. I mm -hmm. have a to land we have rehearsed this time and time again it is safe and it's my job to consciously push past the subconscious priming that is saying danger 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 when there is actually no danger mm -hmm. and that's an extreme example because that's jumping out of windows there are things that could go wrong with walking into a room full of strangers the danger is significantly less you know, I won't ever say it's never because mm -hmm. you never know, but it's not the fears that we are perceiving. And so a lot of that comes down to the story that we're telling ourselves, uh, you know, and I, I used to go to a lot of networking events and I would say the networking prayer just before leaving my vehicle. <laughs> What's the and, networking and it, prayer? <laughs> it goes something like this. It goes, oh, please, please let there just be one decent human being to talk to in this thing, because. I don't want to waste my time and I can't stand going to these things. And I hope that there is just one person who I can connect with who's at least a normal human being. And the funny thing is, is they're all normal human beings. The problem is we, the majority of us network wrong, right? We're, you know, I've got this thing and everybody can use it here. Here's my card. Here's my card. And we're trying mm -hmm. to carpet bomb a room full of cards. Yeah. And uh, the reality is that that almost never works, right? Because we don't like to, we don't like to be sold to that way. Nope. So if I, if I don't like somebody handing me a business card and just being like, my thing is perfect for you and everybody else on the planet, why should I then turn around and go, my thing is perfect for you and everybody else on the planet? And it, it took me a long time to really correlate the two of those. And I had two incredible mentors who guide me along this journey. The late, great Bernie Dorman from CEO Space uh, said something that impacted me uh, for the rest of my life. He said, it's less of about me and more about the, And when he said that, I realized that, you know, I need to make my audience come first. And I know that as a public speaker, it's a thing that I have fallen on regularly, uh, but I didn't think of how it translated into networking. And um, another uh, great speaker that I know, Colin Sprake had said to me once, you know, it's the power of your story that's going to sell, right? It's the stats tell, stories sell. And he exemplified it perfectly. He's like, when you go into a networking event, don't tell them what you do, right? Like that's, like, that's what everybody does, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a, my name is Tyler Foley and I'm a public speaker coach. In reality, you know, nobody cares what you do. And he, mm -hmm. we're, we're kind of more concerned about what we can do. And so he framed it. He's like, tell your story. So for me, again, I hate networking, but I also recognize that networking is a very, integral part of growing my business and growing my mm -hmm. connections and contacts. And uh, Bernie had pointed out, you know, it, you're, everybody says it, right? Your network is your net worth. But he was like, most people don't actually really understand what that means. Networking means that you are connecting people mm -hmm. within your sphere. And he said, the best way to do that is to find out what they do. And most people won't tell you what they do if you, they think that you're trying to pitch them. So when I go to a networking event, I've got a 30 to 40 second pitch that goes something like this. Who here hates coming to these things? 
who finds them incredibly awkward and you don't know what to say and you don't know what you're going to talk about and you have no idea how to formulate your pitch. I know I struggled with that. I'm struggling with it right now. And so if anybody wants to learn a really fast way to be incredibly effective at networking by being able to tell your story quickly and effectively, come over and talk to me in the back corner and we can have a conversation about how I overcame my fear of public judgment, how I overcame my fear of speaking in public. And I want to show you how to do that really quick. Anybody who identifies with that is going to come and chat with me. Anybody who doesn't is not going to chat with me and that's fine. So now I know who my ideal target is and who isn't those people who have a conversation with me, I can get their contact information and say, great, let's put a thing in our calendar where we can explore this a little bit further. Here's my contact information. Give me your contact information. And I will follow up with you because I want your contact information more than I want to give you my contact. Right. Information. Yeah. Then I can go out and ask everybody else at that networking event. What do you do and how can I be of service? Mm-hmm. And it's that line that Bernie taught me, what do you do and how can I be of service? Because then they can tell you what they need. And nine times out of 10, it's not that service or product that you provide currently. They may need it down the road, Mm -hmm. but it's building that relationship. And so by finding out what they need, if you truly have a good network, you know, somebody who can solve their problem. Sure. And then you introduce them. You Mm -hmm. say, great. I know this person who can do this thing. Or if you don't know the person, you'd be like, well, let me make a note of that. Then as you're going around, you know, you maybe find that person who sells that widget and you're like, oh, I was just talking to Julie and Mm -hmm. she needs that. Let me introduce you. And then you go over and do it. Now you didn't solve the problem directly, but you were a facilitator of the introduction Mm -hmm. that did. And that makes you of service and people will remember that. And a lot of that comes down to just storytelling and learning how to use your story to draw people towards you. So talk about that. I I have a million stories. I live a very interesting, funny life. But what if somebody's sitting here going, I don't have, I don't have any, I don't have a story. I certainly don't have a story that's an appropriate for a networking conversation. Sidebar, they're all appropriate unless they're about like politics and religion and all that. And and even then, sometimes they have their place. You just have to know how to tell them, right? Yeah. So what do you, Uh, how can someone tease a story out about themselves? Well, so first of all, you're right. Everybody has a story. Mm -hmm. And if it's important to you, it's important to your ideal audience. And I think that's the key is people are trying to impress everyone and in doing so impress no one. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you, if you know who your target audience is, or if you want to discover your target audience, usually the thing you're afraid to say is what your ideal audience needs to hear. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that comes with the details in our story. So anybody who says that they don't have a story, we're, we can do this quick exercise right now, Julie. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes two minutes um, and then there's homework to do afterwards. So my <laughs> apologies to your listener. Okay. Hey, this shit works. <laughs> um, what I want you to do is I want to take you to take your age mm-hmm. and round the nearest five. Okay. So for me right now, I'm 42. So I'm going to round down to 40 in a month. I'm going to be 43. So I would round up to 45, but currently I get to do the round down. So yeah. So we're going to take our age and round to the nearest five. Okay. Whatever that number is, divide it by five. Mm -hmm. And that will give you a five even time periods for your life. Okay. Right. So for me, I do this, I round down to 40, divide by five, and that gives me five even time periods of eight. 
Yep. Now, if you have sticklers in the audience, because there always are, and they'll be like, but that's not even time periods, Tyler, because my, I am 42. And so what are we doing with those two? If you, if you want to be a stickler, if you had to round down, tack whatever that was, because it was either one or two, tack those years onto your first time period. Okay. So for me, I would expand eight to 10 and then I would count up in eight year increments, but okay. trust me, you don't need to do it. If you had to round down, mm-hmm. take off what you round, or if you had to round up, take off what you rounded up by off yeah. of your last time period. Okay. And the reason for this is we can always remember what happened in the last couple of years better than we can remember in childhood. Sure. And most people don't remember their first one or two years anyways. Right. So it just, that's how you're going to balance it out, but you don't have to do it because it, we're just it's rough math, right? Mm -hmm. So now that we've gotten our time periods, what I want you to do is for each time period, ask yourself this question. When I think about this time in my life, for me, my first time period, zero to eight, Okay. what is the most significant or impactful memory? What's the first one that springs to mind? Not when I think about it and really go and do a deep dive. When I think of me, Tyler, zero to eight, Mm -hmm. first memory popped to, to my mind. And write it down and then do that for each one of those time periods. Mm-hmm. And I promise you in that you have at least five stories and here's how you flush them out. And this is where the homework comes in. Now that you've written down these five memories that sprung to mind, the first one, boom, that popped into your mind. Why? Why is that significant to you? Okay. What is the importance of that? When I do this exercise, I have two memories instantly that spring to my mind in that first time period. The first one is six years old at the Christmas pageant, and it was the first time I was ever on stage. Elementary school, my first grade, and I got to play Joseph in the nativity. I had the little lines, and the the wise men would come and give me the gifts appropriately Mm -hmm. wrapped in period-appropriate wrapping paper, because I'm sure that's what happened 2000 years ago. And so they would give me these gifts and I would put them down by the manger and say, thank you and, and continue on. Right. And at the end of that, the crowd gave me applause. In fact, I made them laugh because instead of stacking the presents beside the manger, like I should have, I was stacking them on top of the manger, which is exactly where baby Jesus's head was. And so everybody was like, uh, uh, and then I kept doing it. And I, I just thought that it was a funny thing to do. So I kept stacking. I didn't really realize, you know, shouldn't put presents on a baby doll's head. So for me, that sound of laughter and then the, the exhilaration that came with mm-hmm. hearing uh, a standing ovation and just that rush has been a high that I've chased the rest of my life, mm-hmm. right? It was incredibly impactful for me. And one of the reasons why I'm probably so comfortable on stage, because at the time, like anybody who has a six-year-old knows they have no fear. Sure. They, they, right? they haven't fear learned it a, yet. Exactly. It's a learned behavior. Yeah. And so people tell us that we should be afraid of things, right? Oh, you don't do that. It's dangerous. You can't mm-hmm. do this. And we learn from people telling us what we need to be afraid of. Nobody told me I needed to be afraid of stage. So I got up. I enjoyed it. It was incredibly freeing and wonderful. And uh, that has been my conditioning. Mm-hmm. My next significant memory from the same time period comes almost two months later to the day. Both of these memories for me are auditory. Like I, I have a visual that goes mm-hmm. with it, but the, but it's the sound that triggers mm-hmm. it. So it's the first thing is the sound of applause. The next is the sound my mother made when 
a police officer and my family physician came to our back door to tell her that my father would never come home, Mm -hmm. that he had perished in a motor vehicle accident. And she made this just haunting, spine tingling sound that reverberated through the house. It reverberated through the neighborhood. Like it sounded like an animal wailing. It was, Mm -hmm. it was just grotesque. And between the two sounds, one, I have chased my entire life Mm. trying to hear one of them. I have avoided my entire life, hoping to never hear again. Mm -hmm. And, and it's in that. Why, why are these memories significant to us that we find our stories? Right. So I can tell there are a thousand lessons and that's the next step. Once you figure out why it's significant to you, what are the lessons? What did you learn from that event? And that's how you start to tell your story because there are other people who have experienced something similar and will resonate with it. And nine times out of 10, they're afraid to say it the same way that you are. And the leader is the person who has the bravery to say it first. So if you want to be a leader in your field, you say the thing that everyone else is afraid to say, and you say it first, and everybody will come to you. And that's how you find your ideal audience. That's how you find your target avatar. That's the people who are going to resonate with your message. And then you just teach them through story. So I would say people are going through this exercise and I think that people will do this and they can come up with stories. Like we all have significant things that happen to us in decades uh, of our lives, but, but people are, I can imagine people saying, okay, but how does that integrate itself into a networking conversation? How do I even begin to say, this is, this is something that is important to me. This is, this has shaped me. This is, you know, this is a story to tell in a situation in which people are probably wondering, am I, am I exposing too much? Is this sharing too much? Like what, what is your answer to that? Well, so it's how you frame the story. So uh, Les Brown says it famously, you never make a point without a story. You never tell a story without a point. Yeah. And in networking, particularly if you only have that 30 to 60 second sound bite, that's a single point that you need to make, mm-hmm. but it needs to have a mini story. It needs to have meaning. So maybe some of your stories are not appropriate, but all of us have been driven to do a thing for some reason. There's an internal driving mechanism, right? For me, my, my whole career, when I look back on it, you know, I started acting as an emotional expression, emotional outlet, particularly having really enjoyed stage. And then two months later, losing my father, not, and then at six years old, not having the emotional capacity to process what that meant. Stage became an emotional outlet for me that led me on this career of performance. When I got tired of performing, I then uh, got retired because that's the nice thing. When you start your career at six, (laughs) Can retire 20 years later and still have an entire other career to get to. So when I retired at 25, I, I went back, I got an engineering discipline, started my own mapping firm, aerial survey firm, that business collapsed. You know, those are all stories that I can tell, mm-hmm. but each of those things along the journey led me to this point in my life where I am really good at helping people be on stage and tell their story. Mm -hmm. So when I want to tell people that that's what I do, I need to acknowledge how I have felt in some of these situations. Like as a trained performer, you would think that I would feel comfortable. Everybody assumes that I'm an extrovert. 
I am not. Mm-hmm. I'm an introvert. And so for me to be able to go into a networking event and say, who here hates these things? <laughs> I sympathize with you. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you may think that I'm, you know, as the author of the best-selling book, The Power to Speak Naked, that I have this tendency to be this extrovert and that I would be comfortable in these situations. The reality is I find these incredibly draining. And if you resonate with that, Mm -hmm. if you come to these things terrified, I did my networking prayer, you know, hoping to find just one decent person to talk with. And if you're that person who would rather have a one-on-one conversation over to the side than have a big, long, drawn-out thing in public, Mm -hmm. come talk to me because I have some tips and tricks that will help you overcome that because I've had to do it myself. So I'm not telling the full story. Okay. I'm giving an emotional connection to bits of the story. And then when they come, that's when I can open up a little bit more about the story. This is how I came to be here. This is how I came to overcome it. These are some of my, you start to drop it. And then Mm -hmm. if you have to expand that into your business, you know, you want to have a really powerful web page, tell them personally why you open that business. One of the things I get a lot of clients that come through my safety consulting practice, because I'm very upfront about the fact that I lost my father at six to an entirely avoidable occupational accident. He was fatigued from working 16 hour days, 10 days in a row, which is supposed to be illegal, Mm -hmm. but because he was an entrepreneur, because he was his own boss, there was no oversight onto it. Yeah. And so um, my consulting practice focuses on small businesses who need to have safety programs. And they res- and I tell them exactly why that is so critical to me. Because again, mm-hmm. my life decisions have been set up based right. on that first sound. Now, that's a significant memory for me. And I have a lot that go that tie to that. So we're talking a lot about speaking in networking situations, but I believe one of the one of the fastest, best ways to grow your company is to find venues, events in which you have a microphone, in which you have a voice, in which you can speak. And so let's talk a little bit about how how can people discover within their industry, within what they do for a career, how can they discover opportunities in which they can speak, whether that's on a panel discussion, whether it's a webinar, whether it's, you know, whatever, how can people say, discover, because, because I'm just going to say it is one of the, the best ways to grow your business is to be a thought leader and speak on your subject. Oh, it, I, I can't think of a better way. And I'm not saying that biased as a speaker trainer. Right. I mean, like there, it really truly is. You look at anybody who is successful, they have some form of speaking and, and presentation skill set that goes with that, right? They are teaching other people how to be it and setting themselves up as the, as you said, the thought leader, the industry expert. And a lot of that has to do with, we just trust the people. There's two things that we trust. We trust the, the person with the book. If they've mm-hmm. got the book, they have to know something. And if they're on stage with the microphone, they have to know something. And it's true because we, we, we only ask the experts to be there. The thing is, is almost everybody is an expert. (laughs) And so differentiating yourself, the reason one person is perceived as the expert and the other one is perceived as an audience member is because the expert had the courage to stand up on stage. So to Mm -hmm. your point, how do you find those stages and those opportunities? Well, it's real easy. If you're a professional, nine times out of 10, you have some form of professional association. Those professional associations are constantly putting on events and seminars as to 
help grow that association, to help grow its membership, to give back to its membership. So you want to have an opportunity, reach out to mm -hmm. your membership and ask, are you putting together a seminar? Are you putting together workshops? What are you looking for in speakers? Let them guide what the content is. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, really need somebody who can speak on this. Then ask yourself, can I speak on that? Mm -hmm. And then apply to it. And if you're like, no, 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 that doesn't work for me. I want to speak on this and this only. Well, that's fine. Google is your friend. <laughs> yeah. The, the wonderful world of the internet places all of these things at your fingertips. So all you need to do is type in call for presentations, call, call for, for speakers, right? And then your topic. And if you want to get really super, like for me, I'll be like, where do I want to speak? Mm -hmm. Like where would be a really fun place to go on vacation? <laughs> you know, yeah. my, when my daughter was younger, she still is, but when she was younger, uh, she was obsessed with uh, space and NASA. Uh, her grandpa had pointed out one day, we were sitting in the backyard and, and my family has an acreage. And so we, we get, we can see the stars just like there are billions of stars and Gramps pointed up to my daughter. He says, uh, do you see that, that, star that's moving and she goes yeah he goes that's the international space station there's yeah. astronauts on it right now and ever since then she's been obsessed with astronauts the fact that there are people who are living in space mm -hmm. so i was just curious houston has the johnson space center mm -hmm. i you can go and visit and they have you can talk with astronauts and they have all the fun space stuff there and i thought well i don't want to go on vacation and pay for it i want my vacation to be paid for so yeah. is there any speaking opportunities down in Houston? So I did, I did call for presentations, Houston. And I looked through the list and, you know, there was leadership development. There was um, a couple of things and there was actually one at mission control. They were looking for um, an, an expert, a speaking expert who could show speakers how to better speak on film. That was, it was really specific on that. And I'm like, I'm a former actor. I'm a speaker trainer. I am ideally what these people are looking mm -hmm. The conference was putting together people's speaker reels. So they had a whole bunch of speakers in, but speakers speak and they do all of this stuff and it doesn't translate well yeah. on film. So they needed basically an acting coach who understood mm -hmm. both the film side and the speaker guy. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'll do that. And they re the uh, organizer reached out to me. He's like, great, this is a five-day event. Can you speak at all of these venues? I was like, yeah, I can do that. And he's like, I'm speaking at Mission Control. I'm like, great. My only caveat is you need to allow me to bring my daughter. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, no, it's fine. And so Kenzie came along with us, and she got to go to Mission Control. She got to see a real spacesuit and talk mm -hmm. to a real astronaut. And she was just, <laughs> pardon the pun, she was through the moon with it. <laughs> You know, and that was so much fun for me. And, and that's typically what I do. I'm like, where do I want to speak? I got to speak in Honduras uh, a few years ago, um, doing the same thing. I found this and, and I've created a wonderful relationship with that organizer. She brings me back to all of, she travels all over the world, putting on these events. Okay. And, uh, and for that particular one, it's a certified coaching training. And uh, so she's teaching people to be life coaches. And then she brings me on to show them how to better present to many so that they can do group classes so mm -hmm. that they can grow their coaching practice faster. Again, how do we grow our businesses? Public speaking. It's not just a clever tip, Julie. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about where my company would be right now if I hadn't decided that I was going to speak. If I actually, 
if I hadn't been asked to give that first speech, because that first speech and I, I could have easily said, no, I could have easily said, no, I, I, I've never done this before, but I, I did it. And then that led to another event and another event and another event. And like you said, it led to me writing a book. And then Mm -hmm. now I've got the speaking and I've got the book and I got this big fat ass microphone and everybody listens to me. (laughs) And and it's, and it is, it's right. It's the instant expert because you have the, uh, you have the platform. Mm-hmm. And it's when you have that platform that people go, oh, well, they're, they're, you have to have this platform for a reason. And that's the other thing. If you're not being able to find the thing, if you're not finding somebody else's event for you to apply to, to speak at, mm-hmm. run your own. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that as a hybrid for years. So like I couldn't find my specific niche. So I was like, well, how do I find somebody to, to do this for. And, and the answer kept being like, nobody's doing this. So I was like, well, fine, then I'm going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And that's how, you know, originally my, um, my course was called basic instructional technique. Oh, nobody came to that. Nobody gives a <laughs> shit about that. <laughs> no, no, but I wanted to hide. I wanted to hide mm-hmm. the fact that it was public speaking training, mm-hmm. right? I thought, well, if you trick people in, it's instructional technique. And it was originally designed for people who had been thrust into a leadership position, whether that was supervisors or managers who didn't feel comfortable public speaking. So this was going to be instructional technique, how you instruct uh, and then weave in the public speaking. I was like, well, you know what? No, let's just be upfront. Let's just, let's be honest with it. And mm-hmm. so we called it the power to speak naked. And all of a sudden there were people like, oh, I want to, I'm curious to know more at least. Yep. And we got a huge uptick with it, but I ran my own training seminars. And then from that ended up getting invited yeah. to, you know, these organizers figured it out. I think there's something, there's a couple of things there the title of whatever you do has to be catchy. Yeah. I wrote my entire book cover to cover before I knew what the title was. And mm-hmm. I was like, if my book, I had a book writing coach and she said, if you try to name the book and then write it, you'll write the book that the name is. And you want to write yeah. it the other way around. And yeah. you can't really know what it's about until you write it. So that's one thing, whatever you call your speech or your book or whatever, make sure it is something that is a sound bite that is catchy. The second thing I would say is for people who want to get into professional speaking, and we do this, I have a Google search even now for myself, even though I get multiple inquiries a day about professional speaking gigs, I have a Google alert every week that gives me call for speakers, call for presentations, so I can see what is being talked about out there and what conferences are out there. And I think the listeners should know that you have to put in... um, it's called a call for presentations because you have to write about what you're going to speak about. So that's a good place for you to start weaving your story into what you're an expert in because your presentation is only going to be accepted if it stands out from the other presentations. So how do you suggest that people write better call for speakers or call for presentations, use storytelling within that, because that's how they're going to get selected for their first speeches. Well, it's twofold. So your story is, so I remember that, you know, you do realtors, let's use realtors, for example, Mm. there are in in my city alone, over 10,000 realtors. My city is only uh, just over a million population, which means basically 1% of the entire population (laughs) selling real estate and you know it's like 
everybody knows a realtor or five. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I can think of 10 off the top of my head, but I network a lot. And so how do they distinguish themselves, right? A lot of that comes down to their personal story. Like I have one friend of mine who, you know, was passionate about real estate and then went through a divorce and she went, there are three transactions here for every divorced couple because they're selling the house they lived in yeah. and then they both have to buy one. Yep. And she's like, normally I'm, you know, selling a house, buying a house. But if I do, if I specialize in this divorce thing, yeah. I get three transactions out of it. And, but how, which, the thing she was afraid to say was because her whole identity was around her and her husband and the happy little mm -hmm. life and the white picket fence that they had done. And so she created this thing, white picket fence down, I think is what she was oh, her spin. That's right. And yeah, you know, and I, exactly. Brilliant. People remember and they're like, yes. oh yeah, okay. And then, so she talks about, you know, um, understanding the specific needs of divorced couples. And that was her niche. That was her, you know, they called the right blue ocean. Like that was her yeah. blue ocean. She's blue, like, no, this is the strategy. only people that are, this yeah. is the only selling to divorced couples. Are you getting a divorce? You're going to need to divide your assets. Do you want to yeah. do it with who understands who under, who can negotiate separately with you too. And also understand the emotions that go into that sort of. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. And so she talks when she's talking about it on her website, she talks about my, world collapsed five years ago when my husband mm -hmm. came to me and said that he we didn't want to be married anymore. And I was wrapped up my identity, yeah. even my name, my business name is wrapped up in his last name. Exactly. And, you know, and so she talks about understanding that thing. And those are the people who resonate with her. And so when you're doing a call for uh, presentations, weaving in your personal story is, is yeah. critical. That's how yeah. you stand. As you said, it's how you stand apart. But the other thing to stand apart is don't, it isn't about you. Uh, a call for speaker is not about you. It's about what you can do for that person's audience, right? Mm -hmm. If you bring Julie Brown on, author of the best-selling book, This Shit Works, a, a podcast of the same name. She has strategies that can show you how to blah, 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 right? You're, you want to talk about what you will do for their mm -hmm. audience. And, and that's for me, right? I have uh, powerful strategies to overcome stage fright, to tell a more powerful and compelling story in simple to easy digest bits. You know, these are workshops. And, and then that's the other thing too. I point out whether you bring me on as a keynote or as a workshop, I will be available for the entire day to do either or both yes. for the same fee, right? Mm -hmm. What is the yep. value proposition to the promoter? So I always tell them, I will bring copies of the book. If you want to have pre-purchase uh, any yep. copies at cost, I will give those away. I'll sign them as VIP gifts for you. Mm -hmm. um, I will run a, a breakout room. I will run workshops. And if you need me as a keynote, I'm more than happy to do it. These are my testimonials, uh, but I want to make sure that your audience is served. So what, you know, if there's anything else that I can do to be of service, you mm -hmm. let me know. And that's yeah. usually how I make mine stand out is what yeah. am I, what are you going to get hiring me? Because mm -hmm. it's about you and about me. Yeah. And I think as an exercise, just if anybody's listening and they have an inkling that they want to speak, like you're not going to put in one speaking proposal and get it. Like you have to put in a lot when nobody knows who you are for lack of a, putting it a better way. So I think there should be a challenge there. Like, okay, I'm going to, in this quarter, I'm going to submit five speaker submissions and see what happens. And because a lot of times what you'll get you'll get feedback on your speaker submission. So if you weren't selected, you will get speed feedback on it and that can help you make a better submission the next time. So keep track of your feedback that you get on your submissions as well. 
Well, and the other thing is too, right? That you can't get a job because you don't have experience. You don't have experience because you <laughs> can't get a job. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I run uh, regularly is a free challenge called Podcast Mastery Challenge. And we bring people on. It's three-day training and I love to give it. Um, and we challenge people to get on 100 podcasts in 100 days. And people go, oh, you can't do that. I'm like, I've, I've done it three quarters in a row. I was on over mm -hmm. 300 podcasts last year. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that happens with that is you get to have these wonderful conversations, right? And you start to understand what you know and what you don't know. What are the questions that trip you up? And what are the ones that you can like totally rattle off, yep. right? Now you suddenly, you know, your content. And if you start to weave in your personal story and you start to see what lands and resonates, that's how you start to hone your content. And then not only that, but you become a known entity because then you can put that into your speaker submission. I was featured on this shit that works with Julie Brown. I was on XYZ podcast. And you can also use those podcasts to show that you are media savvy enough that you can do radio and TV. So right. a lot of times when I'm giving a media pitch, you know, because then that's the other thing too, just, to, just the same way that there are calls for presentations, your local news station, very mm -hmm. likely struggling to find that good news piece at the end of the broadcast. And if you come to them with a proposal for a segment, and it's exactly what it's called, by the way, a segment proposal, mm -hmm. and you say, I would love to come on and I can discuss this for three to five minutes. These are the questions that I'm prepared to answer. This is my expertise. This is who I am. That starts to build your credibility. So now you were seen on your local Fox affiliate or you were seen on your local ABC affiliate. And, and then yeah. you can, and sometimes it gets picked up and the news directors talk amongst each other and maybe you get a national spot on that. Yeah. And all of these are speaking opportunities that then feed into each other. It only yeah. takes the one for you to then, and always ask for testimonial. Yes. <laughs> yes. hundred percent from the promoter or from the audience or both yep. grab the testimonials. Yep. If you can get them on video, right. Yeah, because anybody can make up text, but it's really hard to make up somebody uh, bragging about you on video. It's it's and amazing. I do it after every. So all my locals, I have a videographer that I use. She is my videographer, and all my local speaking gigs, she video um, tapes the my speech, my keynote speech. But I also pay her to stay after for like an hour and get audience testimonials, and those are almost more more valuable than the keynote speech that I can get the clips from. Oh yeah. Because you're, you're biting your, your 45 minute keynote down into like 30 second sound yep. bites, but it's the minute long. Oh my God, Julie changed my life. Yes, exactly. That, that's what sells. Right. And again, that's, that is my point to the speaker submission. It doesn't matter what your credentials are, your accolades are, or what you're going to present, what your promoter cares about is what you're going to do for your audience. So if you mm -hmm. have the testimonials are, are, as you pointed out, more valuable than what your presentation is. This is what people had to say about Julie's presentation. This is what people had to say about Tyler's presentation. Exactly. And that, that goes worlds. I, I have a videographer that I fly everywhere with me too. So big shout out to Tasha Cooney. And she it's not even just local. I, I was just speaking in uh, Dallas. I, I had her come out there. I'm going to be in Phoenix and I'm going to be in Atlanta in September. She's come out for that. Yep. It's like All of those things. That so. is another tip. When you get to that point, if you speak a lot, have a team that you trust that you take places. My videographer has been working with me since my second speech ever. Yeah. And yeah. the second speech was she literally videotaped me to tell me all the shit I was doing wrong. 
and it yes. was brutal. It was brutal. But valuable, right? <laughs> valuable, but brutal. Yeah. And she, so five years of speeches she's been taping for me. And that's how I started working with Tasha. So when we run um, both the Power to Speak Naked and the Power of Influence events, uh, three-day workshop, five-day seminar, we have all of our participants filmed. Yep as part of it so that they can get that because it's, it's so real easy for me to be like and how did you feel in that moment and mm -hmm. then ask the audience how did you feel did that resonate whatever but for them to be able to see what their ticks are yeah. what their habits are how they're how they're perceived because it's really hard because you can't see how you are perceived nope. until you actually see it on video nope. and then what do we do have everybody have the opportunity to give testimonials what did you think of that speech yep and then then tasha runs around and everybody and all of a sudden They've gotten 10 to 12 testimonials yep. over the course of the five days. They've honed and, and practiced their craft. They've got a really good, powerful presentation and story and off to the races they go. Yep. Perfect. So if people want to learn more about that workshop, seminar, how to work with you, how can they find you? How can they work with you? Well, the best thing to do is to go to my website, which is seantylerfoley.com. And Sean is spelled the proper Irish way, <laughs> S-E-A-N. T-Y-L-E-R-F-O-L-E.com. So SeanTylerFoley.com. And uh, if they do go there, um, I would ask a favor first. Before visiting my website, you're already listening to This Shit Works. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening to what Julie is presenting and you're doing it regularly, I would ask you to whatever device you're listening to this on right now, hit pause and give Julie a five-star review if you haven't oh, done that yet. And, so but be specific, right? Like what is an episode that landed with you? What was something that resonated with you? What is something that Julie has said that has really had impact for you? Like be specific with that because that helps her grow her audience, which means that she can then bring better content to the show, which only serves you. So this is, it's, it's an entirely selfish thing for you to do at this point. You get to do this selfish thing for you to grow the content and, and get better guests on to this shit works by giving Julie a five-star review. And if you do that as a thank you for doing that, because it'll help me grow my audience because more people will hear this episode. Um, I will reward you if you come to SeanTylerFoley.com by giving you right on the top of the page. If you come right to the main landing page, um, I will give you access to our free Facebook group, which is Endless Stages. Don't go to it through Facebook, though, because you can get there. But if you come through the website, go to SeanTylerFoley.com and join the Endless Stages Facebook group through the website. I will give you a free download of my book, which is The Power to Speak Naked. I will also give you access to my Drop the Mic speaker training series. And super bonus, we give you a 20-minute one-on-one with me. And it's not a weird triage sales pitchy thing. I hate those. I, I, I write, do onto others mm -hmm. as you would have others do onto you. I hate getting business cards handed to me, so I don't yeah. have business cards to other people. I hate when people are like, here's your free little one-on-one -on -one session, and then they're trying to sell me an mm -hmm. $8,000 coaching package. <laughs> that is not, it's just, if you have questions for me, that's a quick way. It's 20 minutes on my calendar. Mm -hmm. I slot out four of those a day for people to take advantage of. And uh, I, I absolutely love having those conversations. So no sales pitch with that. And it's, it's free gift uh, to your listeners, but only what, what do they got to do to do that? They have to give put you in a five-star five review. review. <laughs> no five-star review, no chat with me. <laughs> You're driving a hard bargain. Well, you know, I do what I do. All right. Well, I'll put a link to your website in the show notes. And thank you so much for being here. This was so fun. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a joy and a pleasure to be on. I, I really did have this one circled on the calendar. And like I said, 
I, I do a lot of podcasts. There's, there's very few that I get up and excited for. I was up and excited for this one. Oh, thank you. One thing I realized in this interview is that we all have stories, decades of them. But we don't sit down and think about how these stories, these events in our lives have shaped us and how we can use those stories to better connect with other people. Stories have always helped us connect person to person, generation to generation. Our history is made up of the stories we tell and pass down. So why don't we use them more in business as a way to connect with people when it is one of the oldest forms of communication and connection? I love that my conversation with Tyler dove into how you can look for and find opportunities to speak. I can guarantee that there is no shortage of stages for you to try to be on if you look for them. The moment I agreed to that first speaking engagement is the moment my business changed and I found something new in my career I didn't even know I wanted. Your experience matters. Your expertise matters. Do not let the fear of judgment from other people you don't even know stand in the way of telling your story and sharing your expertise. Oh, do I? Do I have a cocktail for this week? And it's exactly what you're going to be if you decide to get on that stage and share your story. It's the naked and famous. Here's what you're going to need. One ounce of mezcal, one ounce of yellow or green chartreuse, one ounce of Aperol, and one ounce of freshly squeezed lime juice. Add the mezcal, chartreuse, Aperol, and lime juice to a cocktail shaker. Fill it with two handfuls of ice and shake until cold. Strain into a cocktail glass. If desired, garnish with a lime wedge. All right, friends. That's it for this week. As always, thank you for being here and for listening. Until next week, cheers. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works. This Shit Works.